This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, How's Jason. it going, John? Hey, pretty good. What do you have for us this week? All right, well, this week I'm going to talk about just one guy, a guy named um, Tsutomu Nihei. He is, he's a guy who's not the, um, not the most famous um, creator in, like, manga creator in America right now, but the guy's definitely got his own unique style, and he's definitely earned, earned a lot of fans. Um, he's also um, kind of a polarizing guy because he's got it. Guy's got his um, his real strengths, and he also got his real weaknesses as a storyteller. But all of the stuff he's put out, we've we've seen from him in English so far, has been distinctive. And so, I think he's a, he's a guy worth talking about right now, especially since the latest volume of his current series, um, Biomega, just dropped this week. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, first thing, let's see. His first series that. Um, First, first series that, that he had um, put out here is called Unblame, and this is um, um, this is ten volumes put out by Tokyo Pop back in the back in the day when um, Tokyo Pop actually like, you know put out um, like actually could still put out um, stuff that uh, that appeal appealed to the to, um, to a cult or um, niche interest because you know it's like see I haven't bought a Tokyo Pop title in what almost three years since. Whenever they released the last volume of Kindaichi, they've just gone completely mainstream. But Blame, let's see, Blame is a very unique, very cult title because it's it's basically about this um this guy named Killy. He's okay. in this cyber dungeon, and um he's got this really badass gun called Graviton Beam Emitter, which is basically just like like you fire it and it'll just like like cause like electric death, like like. Millions of miles long. It's it's insane. It's insane. And apparently he's going through this this air, this dungeon, this this net sphere, this this bizarre cityscape. I'm looking for something called the net terminal genes. Oh. Now, thing is, like when you first re- when you first look at the series, you're gonna be um, amazed by the by the amount of detail this guy puts into his his environments. I mean, like it's the, the, these these war like this. this World is that that I'm um, kind of killing habits is um is made up of cyber structures that go on for for eons. I mean for for ages. There's they look they look like they look like believable things that like could could exist in some weird nightmare world. And it's just like and like the guy doesn't skip on detail. I mean he strikes me as, a, as what you would call a real artist's artist in the sense in the sense that the, um, the, a lot of the stuff you look at this the images and like you have to. I have to think that they they sprang into, into his head fully formed, like he just like knew exactly what what he wanted to draw and he just put it on the page. Like I can I could also see the guy just like agonizing over the little details, but a lot of this stuff, I mean, this the art is just like fantastic. It gives you a glimpse into a guy who is thoroughly ta- talented, has a singular vision, and is and is bent on deliver, on like trying trying to find ways to um to put that vision onto the page. It's glorious stuff, and if you like, and it's hot, hot, and if you're, if you can, and if you're, if you're unlike me, if you um buy stuff just for the art, then um that's that's the thing you're gonna want to pick up blame for. I say the art because the story hmm. leaves much to be desired. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the thing is like I'm rereading it um again, again over this past week. Mm-hmm. I, I have to admit it's like because like. The world of blame is like cloaked in a lot of mystery. It's not as beautiful as the architecture and the design of it is. It doesn't feel real. Like you look, you're looking at this, and there's this mystery behind it. You're saying like, where did this come from? Why is this exist? 
interesting. Like, where did Killy come from? Where, like, what is he? What is his purpose for? What is? What are these eternal genes supposed to be all about? And some of these things are answered, um, although it's like they're in a way that just kind of, like, that really uh, just like kind of like make you go, oh, okay. And it's, it's it's really hard to um, you get the feeling that you're just waiting for this one moment that's going to you know explain everything to you that you just want to like keep reading to under. Um, finally understand everything that's going to be going on and that kind of really doesn't happen I mean it's like reading it again like this time aware that I was aware that I wasn't going to get everything answered it strikes me as like there that really there isn't a whole lot of like actual questions here I mean there's not a whole lot of plot here period I mean like it's oh. it's easy to understand the series on a moment to moment basis you can see what Killy is what, what Killy is doing you can then you meet um, the other factions that are in this world, the, uh, the silicon creatures who are out to conquer the net sphere, the authority and the safeguard who are out to protect it against anyone who doesn't have net terminal genes. Um, Killy's um, scientist friend Sibo, who he rescues um, from her fate being in a corpse and riding corpse in an under, underground labyrinth, and she's able to transfer her, her mind into a better body, and things just she goes and grows several more transformations over the course course of the series which is which is also kind of interesting but then but and then you're like you, you look at this and you just think it's it's very it is very much style over substance and um there's not and you're look and well there's like lots of great action in it in it as well i mean it just not just from the i'm watching killy blow shit up but also from some of the um hand-to-hand fights throughout the course of the series but then there's just like some weird stuff that just like Makes that just doesn't doesn't make sense. Like when he decides to um put Killy through this um like weird time warp that sends him ten years into the future and make, brings makes him brings him back with a um alternate universe version of Sibo who meets our version of C- our world's version of Sibo. It's it's just bizarre. Like ultimately, I get the feeling that this guy is like he had like I think that Nihei just really got lucky with this series. Like he this series allowed him to indulge himself and his artistic vision like to the fullest and didn't really actually like, and and that was enough for, for its audience in Japan they didn't like they like they liked it and they, they just kept buying it just just to um, keep keep going into just keep um, seeing this world unfold on the page but um he but I still I still don't think that there's a lot of there's a whole lot of story story in here like enough to make it really um worth recommending beyond like like Beyond people who like like um weird offbeat stuff or just like or fantastic art, but because ultimately like, I, I kind of like it. It's like it's like I said, it's different. It gets like I want I say I want to like it more than I actually do. That's that's my feelings on it. Mm. And it's like and you know I also kind of wish that um I get someone someone like Dark Horse um would. Come, would come out and put like a nice um like omnibus um edition of this this series because like the because uh, the version I have from Tokyo Pop the paper well let's say I wish there was it had it's printed on better paper to give um because he loves to use lots and lots of blacks um, <laughs> on this so like the so it kind of fades into the um so like fades into the um printing like the, the printing quality like um suffer suffers the longer you've had in mind or starting to get kind of yellow. Got it. it. Is. They use a little bit. Uh, they don't. Doesn't Tokyo Pop? I mean, by default, use like a. It's almost like a pulpish kind of. It's almost. It's yeah. almost close to newsprint. Uh, newspaper print. Oh, close. Not quite. Not that cheap, but on its way. 
Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what a lot of yeah what a lot of people do. But like this this stuff is like like I said, it's starting to sh- starting to show its age, and that's why I wish someone like someone like Dark Horse would come out because like, I know that they love um, rescuing um, Tokyo Pop stuff, which is like, <laughs> their <but>, hobby. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like I so like I'd like so I'd like to see another publisher come and, come and pick it up. I don't know. If like for for right now, it's like it's it's a. I can't say it's a lost classic, but it's still. I think it still deserves deserves to be in print. Now, after that, um, Togepop published another volume of his work called Noise. Noise is set in the same universe as Blame, but it's kind of it's, it's in fact it's a prequel. It's set three thousand years before the events of Blame, and when it, and it does have more story. Like then Blaine does. In fact, it's, it's set up as a, uh, it's like a, it's almost like it's a noirish, um, like a mystery, um, like except in the same cyber world. I mean, there's some a lot of panels here just that strike me as like, oh, he, like he really wanted to draw on the like the, the noir noir mysteries of the 40s and 50s when when creating this, and that that, get, that gives it a nice unique look to it. Even that even differentiate that even differentiates itself further from from the work, his work in Blame. Also, like I said, there's more there's more of a focus on story here, but it's just but it's also kind of just a I mean he's like there's more dialogue here. It's like and it shows that like a lot of this dialogue is just really functional. Really functional like there to uh there to there to remove the plot along. There's no elegance to it at all. In fact, that's that's also a trademark of um blame as well. The, a lot of the dialogue in blame was minimalist. Mm-hmm. This right here is just kind of like he's trying to to uh, move beyond that, but um, but it's like he's not quite there yet. Um, that that said, his his efforts to try and do a more story-driven um, um, piece do kind of do. I said they do kind of pay dividends in the end once you find out that it does, it does actually um, illuminate a couple bits about blame, such as the um, origins of the authority and and the silicon creatures that inhabit the world. But it doesn't. But those of you like. Hoping that this is going to like you know be like the Rosetta Stone to understanding blame, well it's not going to happen. But if you like blame, then buying this is a no-brainer. It also has um his blame prototype um story, which basically is his first published work, and it's 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 weird looking at this and his style here because it's got it does have a much more um like American look look to it, and it's also got a like less less definition and less detail to it, but it's still it's still kind of cool, mm-hmm. and it's like it's nice nice to have it just for arch- archival purposes. Mm-hmm. All right, now after um after this, he also went over to, Mar- to work for Marvel of all people for two projects. One of them was um Wolverine Snake, which I talked about last year in in, the, in my Wolverine yeah in my Wolverine podcast. Yep. And let me just say briefly that uh, it's it still has it's kind of like the same same problems as his other stuff. I mean, like, it's it's cool seeing Wolverine. Seen him do Wolverine in his style. It's got a lot of great art, mm-hmm. but overall, I felt that this is a story that probably would have been stronger if it had just been completely silent. Because like a lot of the dialogue here also feels very functional and and unnecessary. In fact, I wouldn't be wouldn't have been surprised to have learned that it was that it was an entirely silent work, and Marvel just added in the dialogue after the fact just to add some sort of meaning to all this. Oh. Yeah. So that that said, though, his other contribution. Was a short short story for the um, Halo graphic novel. Now, 
the Halo graphic novel was a, like an anthology of stories from some different creators about like taking place in the Halo universe. It was I I really enjoyed it, and um, I'd recommend. And like, even if you're not a fan of Halo, I'd still, I, I, rec- I still recommend checking it out because there's still some because there's some good work in here. Mihai's work is called Breaking Quarantine, and when I first heard what it was going to be about, I was really looking forward to it because I heard it's going to be about um, Sergeant Johnson, the big the big badass um, African American um, guy who survives who survived the destruction of the first Halo to appear in Halo Two and Halo Three, but and I thought it was going to be the story of how he actually um, got off the ring at the at the end because if you've ever beaten Halo on Legendary, which I have, it's the only Halo game I've beaten on Legendary. <laughs> there's, this, there's this great scene where he is um, fighting um, fighting one of the one of the Covenant elites like hand to hand, and then the ring. As, you, as, they, as they both see the ring start to explode, like it's like um, Johnson turns to him and says, "Hold me, baby," and they and they both they both hug each other as the as the ring explodes. It's <laughs> it's hilarious, and it's like it made me glad that I actually went and beat the game on Legendary. Hmm. I thought that, but that's not the story here. Okay. The story here is actually how he escaped the flood once they were unlocked, once it, once his team unlocked them in the middle of the game. Now, that is the. That is a um like that's a story I couldn't not really that interesting because even before um like that like I read this I could tell you how he escaped he escaped because he is a goddamn motherfucking badass that's how he did it yeah. he is he's a hard hardcore soldier and I you know, he just shot and killed every every last fucking um piece of the flood on his way out there and you know what that's what happens here <laughs> now. That aside, um, this is this is the, um, the this is a full color um, um, piece. This is a full color piece that he did, and it's still the art here is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it is the best looking piece in the Halo, in the in the Halo graphic novel, and it's just and like the um the flood like their um their bioorganic terror is um perfectly suited for his style, and it's just. Because it's still just really cool, like seeing him do this. I mean, it's like it's a it's a silent work, and I think that and as I implied before, that works. That actually does work out work out pretty well for this for his storytelling here. And it's like I said, it's it's cool. It's good action. It's cool seeing him like be the motherfucking badass that he it that he is. But um, but overall, I mean, it's like it's as I just wish wish it had gotten something more substantial for him. But still, for Guy as talented an artist as he is, seeing all this stuff, seeing his work in full color, still mighty impressive. And like I said, worth so it's worth worth checking out. So I think it's finally in paperback now. So that's another reason people should go and pick it up. Mm. Now, now he's got a now his current work um, is currently being published by Viz. Um, it's called Biomega. And when I first heard about this, um, I'm from Viz. I thought, oh, okay, I'll. I was gonna pick up pick up the first volume because you know even though I wasn't you know like I didn't like I said I wasn't ecstatic about my as you guys know I wasn't enthusiastic about my love for Blaine but I figured you know the guys guys got talent I'll pick up the first volume see what it's like then we'll go from there now I pick up the first volume and I was quite impressed this is my Omega is probably the, is the most pleasant um, surprise I've encountered in in reading manga this year so far. Hmm. Because it is a successful example of how t- how to do style over substance. Um, because it basically starts because like 
all the myst- all the mystery, the uncertainty, the murk that was that um, surrounds blame. That's not here in Biomega. I mean, there's a lot of this, still a lot of the same motifs. I mean, you got this like dystopic futuristic world. You got a main main guy who's got a who's got a big gun. It's like and it's like it's just like it's very very much the same style as well. But what makes it work here is that um, the story here it's it's boiled down to um to its um, barest essentials. It just gives you the exact minimal stuff you need in order to um keep keep advancing the plot. Like it basically is. Um, there's this virus that's um, infecting people in the world and stringing them to bio zombies. There's a group called the um, Data, see the D- Data Recovery Foundation, which is I'm um, trying to manipulate manipulate things in order to um, turn this play to its advantage. And they're after a girl named Eon Green, who apparently has the power to coexist with the vi- with the virus, oh. and they want and they want that power as well. Now, looking at this, it's like and um, that's and. And from there, you have this like the simple story structure, and for the first volume, that's exactly what you need, what he needs in order to like show off, show off some really impressive action scenes. I mean, it's just the, like the main guy, Zo- Zoichi. I mean, he's got this badass bicycle, and it's just cool seeing him run around and kill shit. Because I mean, it's that's I mean like that's the perp- that's that's what this thing is designed to do. I mean, like you're designed to show like he wants instead of just like trying to like tell like a like a great like a wider, deeper story with this volume. He's just, um, like, Nihei is just trying to um, show you as much cool shit as possible um, to, to draw you in. Oh. And, um, it works really well. Especially, the, it's also, he also shows, like, um, a, a uh, like a facility for, like, you know, he, he, for, for humor, even just, like, you know, not, not taking himself seriously as, um, as Oichi meets this, um, Russian grizzly bear sniper. And when I say Grizzly bear. I mean, literally, he's a grizzly bear named Kozlov Grebnev, um, along the way, who's also who's protecting Eon Green, and successfully as he's eventually kidnapped. But just a lot of the stuff here is just I mean, it's designed to show, to, to, um, to um, show like lots of action, like uh, as as efficiently as possible. I mean, it's great. Um, I see, it's a great action action piece, and but then. Things he actually does start um, elaborating on things at, in the subsequent volumes. Like we start learning about the different warring factions in the, D, in the Data Recovery Foundation. We learn about the other um, Zoichi's um, par- quote-unquote partner, um, Mizunoe, um, who who's also working, who is also um, working working a different, trying to um, contain things in a different way. But and then and we also learn about his origins. Yeah, his and her origins in the second in the second volume, and we get some like great scenes where he commandeers a plane and uses it to blow up a lot of different aircraft carriers. I mean, oh. is it still like I said he's he's doing a lot of this just to show like to show off as like uh, many cool action scenes as possible. With but as the series is going on, he's also starting to um, tell a proper story. Now, oh. I won't say this is a very deep story or a very original story, but these volumes show that he out that he does understand. That he does understand the fundamentals of storytelling, and you know, like, it was facing damning, damning of faint praise. But I, that's something I wasn't entirely sure of when I fir- when I read his um, originals, when I read his when I read Blame and Noise. So that's something I've been enjoying. I'm enjoying seeing as the series has gone on, uh, especially. And then Volume Four came out this week, and well, he steps up his game in a major way in the sense that this volume features the Earth. Um, 
Earth blowing up and being reconfigured into this giant megastructure that that extends um, oh, that sends on 4.8 billion kilometers out to the end of the solar system. Oh. Now, da- I'll be damned if like it's like that's uh, that's not a big um, big big impressive sci- science fictiony idea, but it's also just kind of like I still have trouble wrapping my head around this around like where where is he actually going? to go with this. But still, like, Long 4 also does a good job of spelling out the backstory and just, like, sitting every, letting you know just, like, exactly where everyone stands and what they've been doing over the past couple of volumes. So I liked, so I liked that. And, and, and even then, like, with this new status quo, he does some interesting mysteries, such as, like, these um, beings that Zoichi encounters on the structure who claim to be human but are really obviously not. So... I'm looking forward to see, seeing where he goes with that, and also four has also has some really spectacular action sequences. I, I, I know I sound redundant, but damn it, if it's not true, it's like you see him and um and Mizunoi um racing up this um structure the structure um extending out of the earth while they're being chased by this um by by this bioorganic terror. I mean, it's like it's it's thrilling stuff to watch to watch him pull this off, and it's like I like. It's like I'm looking forward, and also it's um this is only going to be six volumes. So volume six has been solicited for May of um next year, according to um the Amazon site. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how how this wraps up, and um overall it's like Biomega does represent like it's like a definite step forward in his in his artistic and more importantly his storytelling abilities. So I can say that like next time this guy I'm pull. I'm guessing new series published over here. I'm gonna be all over that like white on rice. <laughs> yeah. So, and also like I would also like to get a, get my hands on his um, art book, Blame, and so on. But mm-hmm. that seems to have gone um, out of print. So, yeah. so I thought I'd probably just like check on 4chan or someplace. So. <laughs> yeah, gotcha there. Yeah. So overall, Blame, cult. It's cult. Different work. Noise. You'll pick it up if you like it. Halo graphic novel recommended. Biomega. Like I said, one of the pleasant surprises, prizes of the year, and don't be surprised if I, if you hear me mention it again when I do my um, ten best of the year. So, okay. sweet. So, yeah, it's like, like different, different guy, like got his own, got his own style, and it's like, hey, then he um sticks to it. So I look forward to seeing what he does in the future. Okay. Yep. All right. And on that note, everyone, calling it a night. All right. Talk, talk to you later, and night. All right, see you later. Night.